This sermon was recorded Easter Sunday, April 12, 2020. Pastor Bobby Wood covers the church's concern of those that have died and the Apostle Paul's response about the hope believers have in the resurrection, revelation, and return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm so glad <clears throat> Jesus is alive, aren't you? I'm so glad he's in my heart and we can experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. Back in the, uh, I think it was the 60s, you all might remember a slogan. Uh, somebody came up with this slogan, God is dead. And um, the, this news station was out on the streets one day, and they were just interviewing people, and they were asking them this question, how do you feel or do you believe that God is dead? <clears throat> and uh, the uh, news anchor took the microphone up to this lady coming out of the grocery store, and he said, man, we're interviewing people on the streets, asking them about this slogan, God is dead. He said, what do you think about that? And this dear sister who had been walking with the Lord for a long time says, why? Sonny, I know that God's not dead. He's, he's alive. And the gentleman sarcastically said, well, ma'am, how do you know he's alive? And she said, well, I just talked to him this morning. Amen. And I hope you're doing a lot of talking to the Lord this morning. And Jesus is alive. Amen. Uh, it's so good to be with you all, New Life. Uh, I, we love you so much in the Lord, and, and I'm just glad to be with you uh, at this moment in time. And, and I do have something heavy on my heart that I want to share with you. I hope it's a blessing to you. And any, anyone else that's uh, tuning in uh, that's not a part of New Life, we just appreciate that so much, so much. So I want to give you just a minute, if you might have your Bible with you and you want to follow along with me, I'm going to read a few verses from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 13. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. This is a fantastic passage. And the Apostle Paul, inspired of the Spirit, is addressing a deep concern that Christians are having. Because there's these false teachers moving around saying not only is Jesus not alive, but some of them were teaching false things like the resurrection is not going to happen. And so they're really upsetting the, uh, some of the Christians. And these young believers in the Lord, they addressed this question to the Apostle Paul, what about our loved ones? If there's no resurrection, you know, what about our loved ones? This is, this is just a painful thing to have to grasp. And so the Spirit inspires Paul to respond to the false teachings with this beautiful truth about the second coming of Jesus Christ about the saints being gathered up to meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's such words of hope. And you, you follow along with me here in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. And the word sleep here is a metaphor that's used for the death of, of a Christian. You see, for the death of a Christian, the sting of death has been taken away. And it's the picture of a beautiful, just we're, we're resting. We've worked and labored for the Lord, and now we're 
resting. Concerning those who are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Wow, what dreadful words. Amen. And so the the Apostle Paul is saying to the saints, listen, you do not have to grieve like the people who don't have any hope, who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. You're Christians. You have a hope. You have something to look forward to. You know there's life on the other side. And so you don't have to sorrow like the rest of the world. Amen. Wow, that's a good word, not even for saying about our loved ones, but that's a good word for us today because multitudes are in sorrow and panic and fear and all kinds of crazy emotions. But we Christians, listen, listen, for us, the things that are important haven't changed. Uh, uh, Jesus is still alive. He's still Lord. Heaven is still heaven. And God is still God. And the Bible is still true. And so we don't have to behave like the world is behaving because we have something that they don't. And, and that's, that's not being arrogant or bragging because we want them to have what we have. We want them to know who we know. And so he goes on to say in verse 14, If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And so you see, those who have, everyone that has died knowing Christ, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And when when God comes back, he's going to bring them with him. This we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain when this happens, those of us that are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have gone on before us who are asleep. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Wow, what a fantastic moment. And by the way, the Apostle Paul tells us in Corinthians 15 that this event, which is the next imminent event on God's calendar, this event um, happens in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. I mean, there's... That's faster than a blink of the eye, dear friends. When Jesus comes to take his people home, it will be just so fast. And so the dead in Christ rise. That body we buried as a seed will be changed. The mortal will put on immortality. And the corruptible will put on incorruption. Then we which are alive and remain, those of us that are living when this happens, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, that, that, those two words caught up. For years and years and years through the Dark Ages, the main language was Latin. 
And even though the New Testament was written in the Greek, the word is harpazo, and it means to seize something quickly. And, of course, in the Latin, the word was rapturo, and that's why you hear the word rapture. And so the rapture uh, of the church or of the saints or the resurrection that he's talking about here is an event, simply put, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the Lord will shout, descend, the archangel and the trumpet will sound the last trump, and just so fast the dead in Christ will rise, and those of us who are alive, the Lord will seize us quickly. This happened many years ago in the book of Genesis. A man named Enoch who walked with God. And the Bible says God came and took him. And they looked for him and couldn't find him. And so will it be on this world. I want to tell you, friends, those, those are exciting words if you know the Lord. If you don't know the Lord, they're not exciting words. And so we hope today that just if I could just reach one person for the Lord... It would be worth the effort today. I want to take you just a minute. And I, I, I normally don't do this, but I want to title what I want to share with you today. There was a song written by Curtis Mayfield that first came out February the 1st. Um, I think it was 1960, uh, 1965, I think. 1965. And the title of his song was People get ready. It's a beautiful song with beautiful lyrics. People get ready. That's what I want to talk to you about today. And I'd like for you and I to just take a few minutes, forget all the troubles, forget the virus, forget everything for just a few minutes, and think about two words. I hope we'll all be ready. Ready and hope. Ready is the burden of that was on Jesus' heart. Every time he taught a parable, every time he taught about his second coming, every time he mentioned going to the cross and his resurrection, the burden of his heart was just be ready. A lot of people were asking a thousand questions, when you come in, what signs, da 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 and Jesus said, you know what, no man knows the day or the hour, there's a lot of things you're not going to know, and Jesus just kept saying, friend, just be ready. That's the burden of my heart this morning. What if a man came to our world, and in our world it had never rained? Never. And this guy comes on the scene named Noah. And him and his boys start building this enormous boat. And he starts telling our world, people, get ready. It's going to rain. It's going to rain 40 days and 40 nights. It's going to cover the earth and we're all going to die if we don't build a boat. People, get ready. And you and I know that we would have said, man, what do you mean rain? You're crazy. You're a fanatic. That's what the world thought. And let me tell you something. A little plus 100 years later, and the rains began to cover the earth, and old Noah wasn't so crazy after all. He was ready, got his house ready, and saved his home. What if a man came to our world and said, people get ready. God's going to send plagues, and he's going to destroy your empire. 
the last plague, he's going to kill your firstborn. The death angel's going to come through at midnight, and God's going to take your firstborn. Well, we would have said, man, who are you? You're crazy. We, we, we're, we're the Egyptians. We rule the world. Who are you? And Moses would say, I'm telling you, you better get the innocent, sinless lamb and, and sacrifice the lamb. Get that blood over your doorpost. Get that blood of Jesus over your threshold. Get it over or save your house. Oh, but multitudes didn't listen. He was just a crazy old fanatic guy. But let me tell you something, man, when the death angel passed through, the Bible says there was a cry like you had never heard before. There was a lot of people that wished they would have been ready. And you know, we could go on through the Bible time and time when you look at the prophets who would cry aloud to the people, people get ready. But they killed many of the prophets. But what about the ultimate prophet? What about the Jesus the, the Messiah, the Son of God, who's so full of love, who took nails and, and died in humiliation on a cross, who has so much love. And yet Jesus said while he was on earth, people get ready. Matthew 24, 21 and 31, Jesus said, people get ready. There's a time of tribulation that's going to come on the world. It's never been nothing like it before. There's nothing going to be like it afterwards. People get ready. Jesus went on to say, here's what's going to happen. This horrible time is coming on this earth. The Son of Man is going to come back, and I'm going to send my angels to gather my children. When I gather my children, Jesus said, it's going to be a time like has never been in this world. And Jesus kept saying, people, get ready. And you know, it's amazing today. The coronavirus came into our world, and our world was not ready. Jesus is coming, and multitudes are not ready. You know what? I, I don't believe God is the author of this thing, but I'll tell you, I believe with all of my heart, God is using this thing to shake up and wake up this world. If you and I would have had a conversation January the 1st, 2020, and I told you, and we were sitting around having a cup of coffee. And I said, friend, in a couple of months, uh, you need to get ready. Get your family ready. There's not going to be any sporting events. There's not going to be any schools, any colleges. Restaurants are going to close. People are going to lose their jobs. They're going to be digging massive graves for thousands of bodies. There's going to be enormous food lines where people don't have any food. And people are going to lose their jobs. You would have called me Mr. Doom and Gloom. And you would not have enjoyed my company. You would have thought I was crazy that I would say over just a bug, a virus, the world will come to cease. And even the fact, I say people won't even be going to churches. You would have thought that's crazy. But here we are. Here we are. And I want to tell you something, friends. When I read the book of Revelation, it makes a lot of sense now. Because there's things that John, the apostle of love, not the apostle of doom and gloom, but the apostle of love unveils to us. Think, let me tell you something. The coronavirus is Play-Doh compared to what John has revealed to us in the Word of God. To, to the very point 
that you will need a specific mark or, or stigma to just be able to buy some bread and milk. And so if you ask me, I want to tell you, this virus is horrible, but I'm going to tell you the silver lining is maybe God Almighty has given us a little tornado drill, a rapture drill, so that we can be a people that's ready for the coming of the Lord. Do you know why Jesus hasn't come? Do you know the one reason the Lord has been so patient for 2,000 years? 2 Peter 3, 9 says, God is not slack concerning his promise. He's coming, but he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. The only reason Jesus hasn't come, the reason the Father hasn't given the word for him to go and get his church is because God is so full of patience and love that he doesn't find any joy when people leave this world unsaved and unprepared to meet him. And so, my dear friend, God is patient. And for us as Christians, we, we, we're ready. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Come today is what John said. And that's with us. But you know what? There's a part of me that hope he just keeps putting it off to many generations. You know why? Because I want to see my grandchildren come to the Lord. And there's multitudes today, today, who God is using this thing to sound an alarm, to wake them up, to say this is a small precursor to what is to come. People Get ready. And so God, God is offering us tremendous hope. That's the thrust of our passage that I just want to make a couple of points with you today. That God always has hope. In the midst of judgment, there's always mercy. He delights in mercy. And my dear friend, I just hope and pray that I will take heed to this as a Christian and not sit in my arrogance and, and, and comfort zone and say, oh, I'm going to heaven. Shame on this ugly world going to hell. No, but oh, that I can be used of the Lord to help one person, one person go to heaven with me. The hope that I'm talking about this morning is found right here in the text. And I'm going to give you these, these words. The hope the hope of heaven, the hope of everlasting life, the hope of going to a place where there's no pain, sorrow, death, goodbyes, is found, first of all, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen. Don't sorrow as people who have no hope. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then it's, then it's all true. Then he's coming. But for, he's coming. Listen, whether I believe him or not, he's coming. If I believe him, then good for me because I'm ready when he comes. And my dear friends, I want to tell you, I believe with all my heart. As a matter of fact, my wife and I had the privilege of several years ago of walking into an empty tomb in Jerusalem where they tell us that Jesus Christ was buried. We walked into that tomb, and I'm telling you the big stone is rolled away, and that tomb is empty. 
But you know what? I didn't have to go to Jerusalem to believe it. I believe it in my heart. I've never seen him, but I believe in Jesus with all my heart. Never touched him, but I believe in him and rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory because I've met him. I met him in 1978. Heard about him, but I met him in 1978 when he came into my heart and into my life. And I want to tell you something, friend. Jesus Christ is alive. Hallelujah. Our hope is built on the fact that he is alive. The Apostle Paul argued in 1 Corinthians 15 because once again, there was false teachers saying, oh, this is all a joke. He never really died. He just passed out and they hit his body. And you know what the, the Apostle Paul said? He said, I'm going to tell you, if Jesus is, is not alive, our preaching is in vain, our faith is in vain, we're all still in our sins, and there is absolutely no hope. Do you think that I want to listen to a man or a woman who's going to tell me that this life is all I have? I mean, friend, if this is all I've got, living in a sick world with a sick disease, sick politicians, sick nations who hate a Christian nation, if this is all I've got, then I'm miserable. And you are too. But bless God, Jesus is alive, the Bible says. He did come up out of the grave, and so everything we believe is true. Everything we believe is solid and unshakable, and my hope is built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe he died for my sins, was buried and rose again the third day. That's the gospel. The word gospel means good news. That's the good news for this lost and dying world that Jesus tasted death for us. Mm. The Son of God took the sting out of death on an old rugged cross, but man, he put his foot on the neck of the devil and he has overcome sin and tribulation and the devil and the grave and every obstacle that stands in our way. Jesus, because he's alive, has overcome. He knew this truth was so valuable. You read Revelation chapter 1. And if you think it's a book of doom and gloom, put yourself in the shoes of Christians in the day in which it was written. And it was nothing for the Romans to come and drag Christian families out of their homes, put them in a Roman Colosseum for entertainment, and turn the tigers and the lions loose to devour them. But those Christians believed in their heart so much in the Lord, they were willing to do that. And the, and the book of Revelation was written to them. All they hear and see is death, death, death. They wake up will I live today? Just like the world we're living in now. And the book of Revelations opens up with this vision. Jesus says, hey, my dear children, 
I've been where you are. I've been to death's place. I've tasted death. I have experienced death. And Jesus says, now I am he who is alive forevermore. And they had that vision of Jesus. And it took their eyes off of earth and put it on heaven. And I want to tell you, man, it made them courageous. And it made them strong in whatever they had to face. And as Ben sang earlier, because he lives... We can face today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Amen. The tomb is empty. He's on the throne. We have hope not only because of the resurrection of Jesus, but we have hope in verse 15 of the revelation of Jesus. You see, the apostle Paul says, I'm saying this to you by the word of the Lord. This wasn't something Paul concocted. This is not some make-believe stuff that I've read in some book um, just a mere man has written. What I'm saying to you today and what we hold dear is based in the sure word of Jesus. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You say, Brother Bobby, why are you a Christian? You know why I'm a Christian? I'm a Christian because there is no other religion that has ever been or will be or exist today that has a claim on what we have. Let me tell you something. If you can convict, if you have a leader of your movement or a religious leader, and he can come and he can walk on water, he can raise the dead, heal the blind, make the lame walk, take a little girl, Tabitha, and raise her up from the dead. Speak Lazarus, who's been dead four days, and Lazarus walks out. And if this same man could go to a cross and die and be buried and raise up, let me tell you something. I'm going to believe that man and I'm going to believe everything he says. I'm going to believe every word he teaches. And he teaches that he's coming back. One of my favorite particular teachings of the second coming of Jesus that's been dear to so many is that precious John 14 when Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. That word troubled is, uh, the, the word that's used for the word troubled is like an agitator in a washing machine. You ever see that thing just bounce in all directions and jar around? Jesus is saying, don't let your mind and heart get like that. If you believe in God, believe also in me, he says. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then he said, I'm gone to prepare a place for you. And when I've got that place prepared, I'm going to come back and get you. That where I am, there you may be also. Oh, my goodness. The bridegroom is gone to get our house ready. And soon and very soon, he's going to come for his bride. And you know who his bride is? His bride is not the heart at church. The book of Revelation says it's a heart at church. There's a church that tries to look like a church. There are Christians that try to imitate Christians. But Jesus is coming for the true church. The true church is not the Baptist church, Methodist church, Church of God, Church of Christ. It's not a denominational thing. The church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ, is made up of people who love him, trust him, and walk with him. 
They've been born again. His spirit has entered into their spirit, and they are now a child of God. Simply put, the church of Jesus Christ is not just people who have their name on a church roll down here. It's people who have their name on a church roll up there. And that's because they are wholly leaning on Jesus. He's coming. And he goes on to say there in John 14, because he's asked. He's asked by one of his disciples, Lord, where are you going and how do we get there? Jesus said, oh, and before I say this, if your child or grandchild or neighbor or somebody comes to you and says, are you going to heaven? And you say, oh, yeah. And they say, how do I get there? What would you tell them? You know what Jesus said? He said it the best. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, You want to know the way to heaven? I am the way, the truth, and the life. For the lost man, he's the way. For the longing man, he's the truth. And for the man who's looking for everlasting life, he is the life. Jesus. Oh, my dear friends. It's a salvation. Hope is in a person. How have we missed this? It's not, it, getting saved is not agreeing to a creed. It's knowing the Christ. It's not belonging to a denomination. It's knowing the deliverer. It's not saying yes to a plan of salvation, but yes to the man of salvation. Getting saved is not getting religion. It's getting a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness, pews and creeds and doctrines... They don't embrace me when I hurt. They don't love me when I cry. They don't pick me up when I'm down. But a person, Jesus, who walks with me and talks with me and, and leads me and holds me up. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish we would just clear up the muddy waters about all these crazy. No wonder lost people are still lost. Men have so confused it. And I'm here to tell you today, it's all about Jesus and you say, Brother Bobby, I'm not comfortable talking to people about being saved. I'm not leading them wrong. Listen, my dear friend, if you can say Jesus, you have the plan of salvation. Amen. Lastly, my hope is built in the resurrection of Jesus, the revelation of Jesus. And lastly, look at these words, the return of Jesus. Oh my, this is big. It's hard to grasp. But let me remind you, dear friend, it's hard to grasp. I'm standing in my little bitty study having to preach the gospel from here. It's hard for me to grasp that I can't gather from the time I was breathing, I was in the house of the Lord. It's hard for me to grasp I can't gather with my church family. There are so many things that I just can't grasp of what's going on today. Therefore, it's no problem for me to grasp what God is about to do. 
And I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a great reunion in the sky someday. And Jesus is coming. He's coming, friend, as I said, ready or not, he's coming. People, get ready. And let me tell you something. He, he ain't going to send a red flag. He said, let me tell you something. Jesus is just going to come and get his children. I want to tell you something. When, when our children left our house and we had an empty nest, it was a joy to see one of our children come home, pull up in the drive to see mom and dad. And I'm going to tell you something. God is just, just a joy of the Lord when he's going to see his children come home. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, even though we're still in this world, and this is where he wants us. Even though we're in this world, let me tell you, he'll never leave us or forsake us. And despite whatever I have to face in this world, you and I will never walk alone because the Lord is our shepherd. We will never want. Hallelujah. And by the way, that Psalm 23 ends, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're winners either way, brothers and sisters, because of our hope in Christ. I want to close my message this way. You say, Brother Bobby, and you know, somebody may view into this. And you say, Brother Bobby, I don't have that hope. I've never had my sins forgiven. I don't have any peace about eternity. How do I get ready? You've convinced me. I'm convinced that Jesus is coming, that what's happening is just a preparation to wake us up. How do I get ready? Simply put, quickly, briefly, simply, four things you need to know. To be ready to meet God, you need to know that you're lost. You need to know right here that you're not ready. You've never asked Jesus to save you. You've never had your sins forgiven, but you know you're an unsaved person. It's not a shame to be lost. It's a shame to stay lost. Have you ever experienced Romans 3.23? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what I mean by you know you're lost. It's indescribable in your heart. You will realize you're separated from God. The burden of guilt and sin becomes a weight on you. And it gets heavy on your heart. And you know that you're not ready to meet God. When you know that, here's the second thing you need to know. You need to know Jesus saves Matthew 121, that Christmas verse says, Name him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, The Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. There was an old man that went into a church, and he was old, and he went into a church, and he was lost. And he, he went in late so nobody would see him, and he sat on the very back. And the church house was full. And then after the preaching and the invitation was given, then this old man started crying. And thank God he was seated. I believe God ordained he was seated by this godly sister in the Lord. And he said out loud, he wasn't talking to her, but he was crying and he said, Oh, I'm lost. And this dear Christian lady said, Sir, 
did I hear you say that you were lost? He said, yes. She said, good. He said, good. She said, yeah, because those are the very people Jesus come to save. And that old man obviously got saved. That's what you need to know. You need to know you're a sinner. And you need to know that Jesus is a Savior who come to save you. No, you can't save yourself. There is, you cannot save yourself. You can't help him save you. He does the saving, and he has the power to do it. The Bible says in Isaiah, he's mighty to save. Do you know those two things? Then you need to know the third thing, and this is very important. You know you're lost. You know Jesus will save you. You need to know now how to make that connection. And you listen carefully. There was an old, wicked, evil jailer, mean, lost as could be. And one night Paul and Silas were singing in jail and this old jailer got under conviction. Oh my goodness, he was lost and he knew it. He knew he was hell bound and not heaven bound. And he ran into the Apostle Paul and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul said this, Sir, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved and your house. You say, Brother Bobby, I've been baptized. That won't save you. You said, Brother Bobby, I was on an old Warren bench and I'm begging and begging. That won't save you. You said, Brother Bobby, I'm going to behave. I'm going to be a good person. That won't save you. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You say, well, Brother Bobby, I, I shook a preacher's hand. That won't save you. You say, I signed a decision card. That won't save you. Well, I did the ABC repeat after me prayer with a preacher. That won't save you. Friend, what saves you is fully trusting in Christ with all your heart. It's between you and Him. Find your place, your bedroom, your kitchen, your living room, where you are. Find your place and do this. Do Romans 10, 13. Whosoever, put your name there, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what God wants you to do? You can pick up that cell phone and you can make a call. Well, then you can pick up your spiritual phone of faith and just get on like a childlike spirit and ask the Lord to save you and he will forgive you of all your sins. I know a man who went to heaven. Let's count on God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. The old publican in Luke 18 went to heaven on seven words, but they were from his heart. I know another man, I think, let's count on maybe he went to heaven on nine words. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The thief on the cross. But they were from his heart. Not memory to memory, mouth to mouth, but from heart to heaven. 
You know you're lost. You know Jesus will save you. And you know all you got to do is say yes to him and ask him to save you. And friend, when you do that, you'll know the fourth thing. You'll know a peace. Peace, the old guilt and the weight of sin is gone. And you know if you leave this world, coronavirus, cancer, car wreck, you know everything's okay with your maker. Now, when you trust the Lord, not only that peace that comes in, but a joy. Oh, my goodness, joy. The joy of knowing my sins are gone. Christ is alive in my heart. It'll put a song in your mouth. And that assurance, that blind lady, Fanny Crosby, who wrote, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Friend, when you know that, glory, that's the best and highest thing you can know. Oh, my goodness. Tell somebody. Tell somebody about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I love you so much. And I'm so thankful we have the Lord. And I hope God just bless you with a good day and give you an opportunity to just share Jesus. Thank you for listening to this sermon from New Life Ministry. We pray that God has spoken to you through it. For more about New Life Ministry, including other sermons, videos, and service times, please visit our website at www.nlmky.org.